0: For our audience, most of who are over 50, you want to start thinking, how much do I want to reinvest in the business versus how much do I want to start to take off the table and diversify away from my business so that I know I have a good cushion for retirement, even if something happens to my business. And so most business owners are not going to just completely stop investing in the business. If you're still a business owner into your 50s and you've had your business for a long time, you probably are still getting pretty good returns on that business. So that's fine, but it's probably not the only option you should be taking at a certain point.
1: Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I'm your co host, Joe Curry, and as always, with my co host, Lindsay Wilson. Hi, Lindsay.
2: Hi, Joe.
0: So we have episode number three with Liz doodling in my background. I think it's going to be the last one.
2: (laughs) That's right. Yes. One thing I'd like to mention, listeners are probably aware that we have launched our Retirement Planning Simplified website with lots of tools and information. And I'd like to just mention for anybody interested, we do have a wonderful tool called the Retirement Navigator. It's a very holistic tool that looks not only at financial planning, but also your values and purpose in retirement as well. So that can be found on our website, retirementplanningsimplified.ca, And of course, I'll include it in the show notes.
0: Yeah, that's one tool. I mean, we put a lot of work into that. And for anyone who's kind of on the verge of, should I do it myself or should I work with an advisor or should I keep my current advisor or look for another advisor who does more specialized in retirement planning? that navigator can kind of answer all those questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. It'll give you a really good framework for where to start, like you said, with purpose and values and work through all the things that you need to know and think of your retirement planning. And by the end of that, you're going to know that, what well, I can take this on and no big deal, I got it. Or you can start looking for some help. But either way, it'll really get you started down that that path.
2: Absolutely. So today, this is part two of our previous podcast about how to pay less tax in retirement. We're taking a slightly different angle. We're looking at business owners and their tax buckets or tax in retirement. We talked about the different tax buckets, and we did mention at that time that we would dedicate a future episode to the business owner tax bucket. So let's talk about that. I'll let you jump in,
0: Joe. Yeah, so all the tax buckets we talked about in the last episode will apply to the business owner as well. And we didn't do a deep dive on this piece because it doesn't really apply to everyone. So I assume that most people listening to this are probably going to be a business owner. I know we have a lot of business owners listening and we work with a lot of business owners. So I want to make sure we spent some time on this. So that's kind of where we are today. What I would say is, and I think I mentioned this in the last episode as well, there's tax integration. So everyone pays the same amount of tax at the end of the day once it gets to you personally. But there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to corporate tax planning and there's some areas where we can get a bit of an advantage if we do things right kind of from the outset. And it requires a bit of planning. So that's what I wanted to talk about today.
2: Mm-hmm. Is there any advantage for business owners when it comes to taxes?
0: Sure. So one of the big ones, Fred, the biggest one is some tax deferral. Now, we've talked about in the past the equivalent of someone on the personal side of things getting a tax deferral is the RSP, right? You put money into your RSP, you get a deduction. So your income drops. If you have $100,000 income, you put $10,000 into an RSP you're only putting $90,000 on your net income because that's a deduction. The reason that you would do that is ideally later on, you take it out in a lower tax bracket. So tax deferral within a corporation isn't quite as good because you're not getting a full deduction. You still have to pay tax on profits within a corporation. So the small business tax rate in Canada right now is about 12 and percent. So that means that if your company at the end of the year has a profit of $200,000, only 12 and percent of that is taxable, as opposed to if you paid mm-hmm. it all out to yourself, you'd probably be paying close to 50% tax on that, right? So that's where the advantage is. So we're starting with more money that we can potentially invest. But once you have those profits, then you need to make a decision about what to do with it. So you could do a number of different things. One, you could pay yourself a dividend. And this is where tax integration comes in, because you paid that twelve and a half percent. If you then take the profits, pay it out to yourself, now you're going to pay income tax. Personally, that's going to make it so that 12.5% you paid inside the company and what you pay personally actually comes back to the same thing as you would have paid if you just took it all as salary in the first place. But you could do that. That's an option. So why might you pay yourself a dividend? Well, you could get the money and invest it personally. Maybe you want to put it into like a tax-free savings account, for example. You could avoid CPP. So if you don't take any salary and you only pay yourself dividends, well, you don't actually have to pay CPP. And as a business owner, you're paying both the employer and employee side of CPP, right? So there's some savings there, $5,500, $6,000, I think it is right now off the top of my head. So you could be then just taking that money. This is one thing I always tell people. If your strategy is to do dividends so you don't pay the CPP, if that's kind of the sole thinking behind it, make sure you're taking that money you would have been given to CPP and investing it for your retirement because now you're not going to have CPP or at least a reduced amount, right? One of the disadvantages if you want to use RSPs, if you pay yourself dividends, you get no new contribution room for RRSPs, which is something that a lot of people don't realize. Mm. But once you've paid that out, you can either invest it personally or spend it personally do whatever you want with it. Another option is you can pay yourself a bonus. So paying yourself a bonus is just like salary. So you will contribute to CPP if you haven't already maxed that out. Again, making sure you have that for retirement as a guaranteed income source. You're going to pay just normal, regular personal income tax on it it will create that RRSP deduction or contribution room. So you could be putting money into your RRSP and then it'll reduce the amount of tax you're going to pay on that bonus. So you have your profit, but as soon as you pay out a profit as a bonus, well, it's no longer included in your profits. It's actually an expense to the business. So you're not paying the tax inside the business now, but it's fully taxable at the personal, the regular personal marginal rates outside of the corporation. So option number three is you could reinvest in your company. So what I mean by that is, so our business, Matthews and Associates, if we have profits, we could turn around and invest that into more marketing, more staff, more whatever we need to do to grow the business. And for a lot of business owners, especially in earlier years, that's really the best use of your money because you're quite often going to be getting higher returns from your business than you could get from other, have more passive investments like stocks or real estate. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is there's a lot more risk too, right? You could go out of business and then all that money you've reinvested, you essentially lost, right? So there's a lot more risk there, but it is one of the best ways to build wealth. Now, for our audience, most of who are over 50, At that point, you want to start thinking, how much do I want to reinvest in the business versus how much do I want to start to take off the table and diversify away from my business so that I know I have a good cushion for retirement, even if something happens to my business. Mm -hmm. And so most business owners are not going to just completely stop investing in the business. If you're still a business owner into your 50s, and you have had your business for a long time, you probably are still getting pretty good returns on that business. So that's fine, but it's probably not the only option you should be taking at a certain point. And option number four is, I talked about this diversification, you could invest not specifically back into your business, but still inside your corporation. And this comes back to that tax deferral piece we started the episode with, which is you're taking those profits you've only paid 12.5% tax on, and you're able to invest it into a portfolio just like you could in your RSP or tax-free savings accounts or non-registered investments outside your corporation. And you can also invest in other things like rental properties, for example, that you can do a non-registered capacity outside of your corporation. Again, it's a decision that needs to be made probably with some planning with your advisor and your accountant as to whether you're going to be more of an RRSP, saver, investor, or if it makes more sense to invest within your corporation. So the one good thing about investing within your corporation is that there's some additional flexibility there. So some of that flexibility is Maybe you're putting that money aside for retirement, but then maybe a good opportunity comes up to buy the building that your business is in that would also be an investment. If that money's in your RSP, you basically are in almost every scenario not going to touch that money until you retire because you're going to pay way too much tax to take it out of there. Mm-hmm. But when you've been investing inside of your corporation or maybe it's a holding company, if you need that money, you just sell those investments and you take it out and you, you buy whatever you need, right? So there's some more flexibility there. Once you get to retirement, your RRSPs at age 71 have to flip over to a RIF and then the government starts telling you how much you have to take out of those accounts every year. If it's in your corporation, if you don't need a certain minimum that the government would tell you with your RSP, you don't have to take that money out. And that also gives us a little more flexibility, like when I was talking about tax buckets in the last episode, where you have more flexibility on how much you're taking out of that bucket, where you have less flexibility on how much you're taking out of the RSP bucket. So if you're getting close to like an old age security clawback, for example, and you don't want as much income, you can't stop the RIF minimum, Mm -hmm. but you can reduce the amount you're taking out of your company, right? So some flexibility there. Now, there's also some disadvantages. So when you invest inside your corporation... You have to pay basically 50% tax on all your investments as far as the earnings go. So interest, 50% tax, dividends, top tax rate, capital gains, you only have to pay tax on half of it, but it's still half of the top rate. So the taxes are not fully deferred. It's more like a non-registered investment because that's essentially what it is. It's just the owner is the corporation. So those are some of the disadvantages. You get that flexibility and you get to invest more upfront than on a non-registered account that you've paid pre-tax on. So let me back that up, make sure this makes sense. You pay yourself, say that bonus, and you put the money into a non-registered account. Personally, you paid a whole bunch of tax before you invested it. Mm. So it's still good in the corporation because you didn't pay all that tax. You only paid the 12 and a half percent, but you're probably paying a higher tax rate on what is actually invested there. The other thing that's changed in recent years is that if you have too much passive income, so that is if your dividends and your interest are too high, then the government now is starting to claw back the amount of your small business tax rate. So right now you can have up to 500,000 of profits and paid at that 12 and percent. Anything over that is at the general rate, which I believe is about 26% right now. But if you go over $50,000 of passive income, so this is from, again, investments that are in stocks and bonds that are generating dividends and interest, Then all of a sudden, they started to reduce that $500,000. And I think for every dollar you go over $50,000, they reduce the $500,000 by $5. Mm -hmm. So that starts to create some different issues. On that note, one good thing to invest in, or two good things maybe, would be stocks and real estate. Now, I'm not recommending that as a specific recommendation to you, the listener, because a lot more goes into it than that, right? But from a tax planning perspective, we have the deferred growth on those capital gains that I talked about and the other buckets in the last episode, right? So you do not Mm -hmm. actually have any passive income coming from a a stock other than the dividend until you sell, right? The gain isn't there until you realize it by selling. And same thing is for real estate, right? Now, rental income or dividends, that's still passive income. Mm -hmm. But that's at least just one way to consider trying to kind of keep that lower and have a little more control when you're realizing that passive income.
2: So that seems like it could be a lot of tax on the investment income. Are there ways to avoid that or get any back?
0: Yeah. So I guess maybe I was kind of talking a little bit of avoiding it. So one way is kind of putting it off by having investments that have capital gains. So if you take some of those investments, pay yourself a dividend, the government or CRA will give you back some of that tax you were paying. So I talked about being in that the highest tax rate for any of your investment income inside your corporation. They're basically just doing it so you don't have too much of an advantage over, say, the person who's not a business owner. So another way that they're trying to manage the benefits of being a, a business owner, having a corporation. So they charge the highest tax rate. And then as soon as you pay it out, now integration will get the taxes back to where they should have been. So that's what I was talking about before. No matter if you're a government employee, if you work for me, or if you're a business owner, by the time the money gets to your bank account, you paid the same amount of personal tax on it. So at that point, they give you back that extra tax they were taking. So it's refundable dividend tax on hand. And then the only other way, which we talked about in the last episode, which works on the personal side as well, is life insurance. So again, if you have money that you're not going to use, and again, there is ways to access cash value in uh, life insurance, but it's not usually my first choice. And it would take a lot of planning to really come to that conclusion that it's the best way. But if there's money there that you are not going to spend, it's even more beneficial to put money into a life insurance policy inside your corporation. Because not only now are you getting all that tax-free growth, right? So any growth you have in in cash value inside the policy is tax-free. It does not count against the passive income that I was just talking about because it's sheltered inside that life insurance policy. And then something a lot of people don't realize is there's kind of a double taxation on business owners when they pass away. And that when they pass away, their shares are all taxable. So whatever gain is available or there on their shares and the value of their business. This is often a holding company at this point when people are passing away. The kids or the estate has to pay tax on that gain. But then if they want to take any money out of the corporation, they don't have to pay tax again. So with their proper planning, that tax can be a size like 70%, not ideal. So there's usually multiple kind of aspects of the planning. But one of the simplest ways is if you have money in a life insurance policy, when you pass away and it's inside your corporation, the beneficiary is the corporation. So let's just say there's a million dollars in there of death benefit when you put the cash value and the life insurance all together. Million dollars comes into the corporation. And then that creates basically a tax-free flow through to the shareholders. Mm -hmm. It's called a capital dividend account. So the only two ways that I can think of in my head anyway are, so if you sell anything for a capital gain, I mentioned only 50% of it's taxable. Well, the other 50% actually can flow out this capital dividend account to you personally Mm -hmm. or life insurance. So when you pass away, again, it creates a capital dividend account for the death benefit. It's actually minus the adjusted cost basis, which is usually minimal. That's a really technical topic we won't go into, but the majority of it would then flow out tax-free. So the kids of the estate would pay tax on the shares. But then a good chunk of that money would then flow out tax-free, as opposed to having to sell the investments, pay the tax in there, pull the investments out as dividends, and then pay tax on that. So those are some of the ways around it. Where else are we at here?
2: <laughs> Do you have any final parting thoughts on taxes for business owners or business owner tax buckets?
0: Sure, yeah. So we've talked about it a lot. I feel like I'm rambling on here, but I mean, this is definitely not an exhaustive list of everything we we talked about. So there's also, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, individual pension plans or IPPs. Mm-hmm. So for someone who pays themselves a really high salary and is maxing out RSPs, well, we can get some more tax deduction by using an IPP or individual pension plan, which is basically like a defined benefit pension, like what a government worker or a teacher would have, but for a business owner. So that's definitely a strategy worth looking into for anyone who has, again, a high salary, has a lot of profits, and otherwise keep it in the business. Also, anything we're putting into that IPP is avoiding that passive income that's going to potentially reduce the small business tax rate. And I think that's probably the last thing as far as this goes. And then there's a whole other thing we've talked about with Bob Govro before. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably have some more guests on to talk about some of the other planning business owners can do for when they're looking to transition their business. And again, from a state planning standpoint, because there's just so many different factors that go into taxes for business owners Mm -hmm. where without a proper plan. And I mean... This is not really something you can do on your own. A lot of this planning, right? It's a lot of accountants refer to other accountants because they're not doing it either because pre- it gets pretty complicated. But I guess if I just finish for the business owners out there, when you're just starting out, and you're making some money, probably is fine to invest back into your business or maybe set up some investment accounts inside your corporations. That's all fine. But as you get further along, you want to get some planning, especially around all this tax stuff.
2: Absolutely. Speak to a professional, whether that be an accounting or financial planner.
0: You got it, Lindsay. Exactly.
2: Great. Well, thanks, Joe.
0: All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Until next time.
2: Until next time. Bye. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners, Incorporated, and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners, Inc., ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals and you should consult with your tax advisor before
1: acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.